Filthy Henry, the Fairy Detective, Chapter 17. Filthy Henry and Shelley had found a poorly lit, practically dark porch on Dawson Street, late that night which concealed them perfectly from any nosy neighbours. The porch allowed them to observe the buildings across the street at their leisure. One building was of particular interest to them. It was a typical building for the area, one that had been built decades ago and kept in minor repair over the years. None of the rooms had lights on in them, but they all seemed to have heavy curtains drawn over the windows. The building seemed to be empty. It's so bloody complicated, Filthy Henry said, running the side of his index finger along the stubble on his chin. I don't like it. Shelley leaned out a little, looked up and down the street, then slipped back into the shadows. What part of it's not to like? The building that probably has a dozen stokers inside it, each of whom has no doubt been told to drain our blood and we're contemplating breaking into the place to see if a leprechaun's stolen crock of gold is inside. How is that complicated exactly? Filthy Henry laughed. For somebody who had only known about the existence of fairies for little more than a week, Shelley was using the term stokers like a seasoned pro. Even most of the druids still tended to call them vampires. Sometimes Celtic vampires, but only at a stretch and even then they were trying to be politically correct and arty at the same time. Well, for starters, they haven't been instructed to drain both of us, he said. Really? No, more likely just you. My blood is tainted with the fairy magic in me. Any stoker that tried to drink it would end up exploding. That's why the newborn was sent after us. You wouldn't have known any better. Shelley punched him in the shoulder. Well, that's bloody reassuring, she said. Ouch! Would you stop doing that, please? Filthy Henry said, rubbing his shoulder. Anyway, we are still only running with the theory that Abe stole the mother croc because Dracula has been jumping up the bestseller list so fast. The mother croc would provide him with enough money to buy the world, so purchasing a few million books wouldn't be all that hard. But right now, I'm hoping beyond hope that the Stokers haven't changed their eating habits recently and the building is entirely empty. Eating habits? Shelley asked. As in they haven't all turned vegan or something? No, that would be stupid. It's fairly late on a Friday night. Stokers usually have to go to the blood banks and make withdrawals. Tonight is the night of the week that stokers all go grocery shopping, so to speak. Reaching into his bag of tricks that Drew the Druid had kindly provided under mild duress. The fairy detective handed over some vials of holy water to Shelley, along with a crucifix. If you see a stoker, avoid it, Filthy Henry said, as Shelley put the objects into her left coat pocket. If he comes at you, hit him with the cross. If, and only if, that doesn't stop him. Use the holy water. Got it? We can't go breaking the rules and staking them. Humans have to follow the rules just as much as fairy kind do even if you didn't know they were there to follow in the first place. Okay, Shelley said, closing her eyes. When she opened them again, they had the blue glow of fairy vision. Nice and quiet, I take it. No, no, 
by all means make as much noise as you possibly can when inside, just in case the stokers are in the building and don't know we are sneaking around. In fact, if you could yell out your name every time you take two steps, that would be great. He dodged another punch aimed directly at his shoulder by jumping out of the porch and running across the street. An alley between the buildings allowed the ferry detective to slip around the back, away from the brightly lit main street. Breaking into a place was always easier if there was less chance of a random person driving by and reporting the crime. A small wall ran around a little garden area at the back of the Stoker building. Some blocks were missing, giving Filthy Henry convenient footholds to climb up and over the wall. Dropping down on the other side, he turned on his fairy vision and scanned the garden. While it was true that Stokers as a race had no magical abilities, beyond living forever and super strength of course, that didn't mean they were idiots. You could hire any number of different fairy races to come in and install a magical alarm system for you. One that worked just as well on humans as it would on fairies. But there appeared to be nothing of the sort here. Either the mother croc was not here, or the stokers were just being very stupid. A little help, Filthy! Shelley hissed from above. Filthy Henry stood up straight and turned around to help Shelley down from the top of the wall. Once she was steady on her own two feet, he walked up to the back of the door of the building and pressed his ear against it. All seemed silent on the other side. Placing his right hand over the door handle, Filthy Henry said, Uskull. A green glow surrounded his hand for a moment, followed by a clicking sound as the lock opened. So no fancy lockpicks with you, Shelley said. You didn't think that was fancy? Filthy Henry asked as he gently pushed the door open and peered inside. Aided by his fairy vision, Filthy Henry looked in, into the dark room beyond. The back door opened up to reveal a kitchen on the other side, which Filthy Henry found a little ironic since stokers never cooked anything. They did love playing human, though. He stepped inside, looked around to make sure there was nothing waiting to surprise him, then motioned for Shelley to follow. How come I can see so well? Shelley asked in the lowest whisper the fairy detective had ever heard. Don't worry about it. Just make sure that if you see something giving off waves of colour to avoid it. Magical traps can be cast on anything. You see something in a room glowing? Don't go into that room. Understood? She nodded. Great, Filthy Henry whispered. I think we should split up. Just remember, you have the only weapons that really work against a stoker. If you really need help, do what all good horror movie actresses do. Which is? Shelley asked. Scream your lungs out. You're such an idiot, she said. True, but at least I'm consistent. They left the kitchen and entered a small hallway. Directly ahead was the front door, back to the main street. Stairs on the right led to the upper levels of the building. There were two doors on the left-hand side of the hallway. Both closed. You check upstairs, Filthy Henry whispered into Shelley's ear. I'll take these two rooms then follow you up. She nodded once, then made her way to the foot of the stairs. As she began to climb them cautiously, the fairy detective walked up to the furthest door and entered the room. Stealth is a tricky thing to master, and an impossible thing to do, unless you're part ninja, part cat. Shelley knew she was neither of those things, and even reckoned at that very moment 
that she had some elephant in her genetic makeup. It was the only way to explain how every single softly, softly movement she made somehow created a thunderous noise. The fear she felt at that very moment was worse than what she'd experienced back at Filthy Henry's office after the newborn Stoger had attacked. At least then she had known there was possible danger within the building. Here she could be walking into a nest of Stokers and not even realise it. Maybe even a herd of Stokers. She wasn't entirely sure what the collective name for vampires was. Up until a week ago, Shelley had assumed they were not real creatures at all. Now she was wondering how you counted them. A life changes, she thought. Each step on the stairs creaked a little as she climbed up them. After a minute that lasted an eternity, Shelley reached the top of the stairs and found herself on a long landing. There were seven doors, each of them closed, and nothing else. No paintings on the walls or furniture to be seen. Not even a glowing spot on the floor that would have suggested a spell had been placed. From the single window at the far end of the landing, some light from the street shone through, casting eerie shadows. Shelley reached into her pockets and pulled out one of the holy water vials and the crucifix. Bringing the wooden cross up in front of her, she started to creep towards the nearest door. Her heart was racing yet oddly beating in time with every step she took. It was the most horrific soundtrack she had ever heard. Reaching out with a trembling hand, Shelley slowly turned the doorknob and opened the door. The hinges creaked in a cliched manner. Typical, Shelley thought, as she tightened her grip on the crucifix. Peering around the doorframe into the darkened room, Shelley used the fairy vision to see what could be seen. It was a relief to see that the room was deserted, and entirely spell-free as well, yet smelled strangely like a library. She stepped inside and started looking about. The room was an average-sized bedroom, although one without the bed. There were piles of books stacked everywhere. Some of the books had matching copies beside each other. The odd pile had so many mismatched tomes in it that it appeared to be a literary version of Jenga but every one of them bore the same title and author's name on the spine of the book. Bram Stoker's Dracula. There were reprints and new prints, old prints and crazy prints. Some of the publishing house's stamps could be traced through the ages, as the style and method used to produce the book changed. Shelley picked up a book at random and flicked it open just to be sure. The entire room was just full of copies of the book, which made sense in a way, since it was St. Ochre's decades-old hobby. If you bought a copy of the book, you wanted to make sure it remained out of circulation. Nobody reached the number one slot on a bestsellers list based on second-hand sales. Checking each of the other rooms with equal measures of care and curiosity revealed more of the same. No furniture, no decorations, but mounds and mounds of copies of Dracula. Some rooms seemed to have been filled with great care from floor to ceiling a solid wall of books. Others just had the volumes thrown in haphazardly, all of them devoid of any stokers on guard duty or crocks of gold waiting to be lifted. Finally Shelley came to the last unopened door on the floor. She opened it and looked around, expecting to see more of the same. Instead, it appeared that this room had been left untouched by the growing collection of musty old books. It was laid out like a writer's office, a large wooden desk was pressed up against the window. 
the chair positioned, so that whoever sat at the desk could stare out at the world beyond the glass. Bookcases lined the walls, mostly filled with copies of Dracula, but also books on writing styles, genealogy and fairy mythology. Clearly St. Ogre had taken an interest into learning about his new race after becoming a member of the fairy folk. Two large filing cabinets stood just inside the door. There was even a very comfy-looking sofa laid out against the far wall, with a blanket thrown on it in a dishevelled manner, presumably used for impromptu naps during spurts of creative brilliance. Shelley pulled open the filing cabinet drawers one at a time, searching inside for anything of interest. They mainly seemed to contain old newspaper clippings, displaying the best-selling books and reviews of St. Ogre's work throughout the years. There were even some printouts of online reviews of the book, as well as some movie reviews about the various adaptations that had been made based around the famous world of Count Dracula. Nothing of interest regarding the stolen leprechaun crock of gold. Next, Shelley started searching the bookcases, but after a few minutes of pulling out books at random to see if there was a hidden section, she gave up. There was nothing of interest contained on any of the shelves. She pulled back the chair from the desk and sat down on it. From here, there was nothing to see through the window. It looked out over the backyard and allowed a person to see into the back room of the opposite building. Hardly a place to get amazing inspiration for writing stories. Although it was probably well shielded from direct sunlight, meaning the vampire author could presumably sit there during the daytime and not catch fire as a result. Three drawers were set into the body of the desk, little metal rings hanging from them for ladles. Shelley tugged experimentally at one. It slid open without any effort at all. Not that this meant anything, since the top drawer was entirely empty of anything clue-like. Pushing it quietly back in, she pulled out the second drawer. Bingo, she said. Reaching into the drawer, Shelley took out an old, leather-bound book and a paper folder. Putting these down on the table in front of her, she looked over her shoulder to make sure she was still alone in the room. She opened up the old-fashioned book, a strong, musty smell hitting her nostrils as the covers opened with a creak of leather. Written on the pages in a flowery, cursive style of writing, with intricately detailed sketches, were words that Shelley could not recognise. A language that seemed to rely heavily on doodles to help explain what the words seemingly had trouble doing. Then two words jumped out at Shelley. It's Irish, Shelley said, surprised. Every person born in Ireland had to endure years of learning Irish during their time in school, helping to instill a bit of national pride in a person that they had a native tongue to speak. This despite the fact that English was the more prevalent language spoken in the country. Once people left school at 18, the practice of speaking poorly formed Irish was dropped by the wayside becoming little more than a joking habit between friends. But twelve years of learning the same nearly dead language every day managed to ingrain something in the brain, burning it into the very cells of a person. Right now those cells were getting very excited at the prospect of being used. Shelley flicked through some more of the pages in the book, recognising one in every twenty words. It was definitely Irish, possibly a very ancient and old style of the language. Not that she would have been able to translate a modern version of it, but it would have been slightly easier to try and guess what was written in the book. On one page there was just a large picture of a rainbow on it, 
with a small paragraph of the ancient Irish scribbled under the arch. She closed the book and moved it to the side of the table. Filthy Henry might have better luck figuring out what was written in it. Maybe it was some sort of fairy version of Irish that only the fairy folk could read easily. Opening the folder, Shelley found two medical reports with attached Garda reports. One report was about someone called Frankie Doran. The other dealt with a man called Jim O'Toole. According to the Garda reports, there were known associates and people of interest concerning a number of unsolved petty crimes around Dublin. Flicking through everything, she found nothing of worth at all. Nothing to make it obvious why a vampire would keep the reports in his drawer. The only thing worthy of any note at all, other than the amount of crimes the pair had committed, was the medical entry on the last page of Frankie's report. He had the same ability to see colours as a dog did. It was some extremely rare case, which meant he saw the world in black and white. Other than that, there was nothing amazingly interesting about either of them. Even their list of crimes was decidedly mundane. Stokers are crazy, Shelley said, as she started to read the reports again, just to be sure nothing of value was contained in the sheets. She stopped halfway through the second reading and looked up, staring out the window. Henry had created what he himself called a very basic rainbow, one that Shelley was unable to penetrate. Yet the dog had been able to push its head through without any problems to get to the food from the plate. The dog, who saw the world in shades of black and white, just like this Frankie Doran person. Behind her, a floorboard creaked, almost inaudible, but in a silent house. The smallest of noises is like a thunderclap. Shelley froze. Her stomach clenched into a very tight ball. Her heart started to play a ribcage, like a human xylophone. Short, shallow breaths replaced her more natural oxygen intaking habits. A hand was placed gently on her shoulder. Now, my dear, said a voice as smooth as a gravestone, why don't you tell me where I can find filthy Henry? And just what exactly you're doing alive in my house? Filthy Henry, the Fairy Detective, is a novel by Derek Power. Other Filthy Henry novels are currently available to buy on Amazon Kindle. This audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton. <laughs>